Good morning. It's a privilege to be here this morning. And I, so many of you I don't know now, as it's been a few years since I've uh, been around very much. I know that you know, probably all of you know my family, uh, my brother Micah and my sister Rhoda and the rest of my family. Uh, as Pastor Van Gelder mentioned, I came here to seminary in 2012. Now this, since most of you don't know me, I'll tell you just a little bit of my testimony as I start. Uh, we grew up in South Dakota. Uh, my, my dad was a pastor until I was 16. And so I was raised in a godly Christian home and uh, received Christ when I was young. I had, like, like so many, I struggled with doubts about my salvation. And so I wasn't, even today, I can't tell you for sure at which point I trusted Christ. There were several points along the way where, where I, uh, I prayed a prayer, but I, I believe that when I was 11 years old is when I truly understood and then when I was 14 years old uh, is when I really had that assurance in my heart, just that recognition that, uh, for me, that recognition that I didn't have to know exactly when it was, but just that I knew that I was trusting in Christ with all of my heart at that moment. And really, since that day, I've never had a doubt about my salvation because I've known that, I've known that all of my trust is in Him for salvation. And right around that time, the Lord began to, uh, when I was around 13 years old, He really started to use some different books that I was reading, some godly books that uh, my family had. And uh, my mom had had me start to read the Bible once a year, when I, starting when I was eight years old. And so for several years I had been doing that, but at first it was more of a, of a daily duty, uh, more of a chore. And, and around that time I began to really get a hunger for God's Word. And I read a book called The Young Christian. It was written in the 1800s. And a chapter in there about confession God really used in my life. And he, he stirred me with that to begin to confess different things to my parents and to others whom I had wronged. And, uh, and there's all of that. He was just, there, throughout that year, he was really preparing my heart and working my heart. And then during our missions conference of that year, when I was, when I was uh, 13 years old, the speaker spoke on prayer on Thursday night. And I was really convicted about the complete lack of prayer in my life, although I had begun to to really love to read the Bible, and although I had uh, been getting a burden for, for witnessing and other things, prayer was really pretty much completely missing from my life. And so, but at the end, as he gave the invitation, and the Lord had spoken to my heart about that, as he called for us to sing, I Surrender All, the Lord spoke to my heart that I couldn't stand there and sing it unless it was true. And I had never gone to the front in my life because of just the too much pride, uh, too much embarrassment for people to see me do that but that night for the first time I went forward and truly just surrendered my life completely to the Lord at that moment no one else I didn't even tell anybody else about it but really that was the biggest I would say that is the most dramatic changing point in my life uh, after that uh, God really began to to work to just show change me in so many ways it was no longer a question at that point of what of am I going to do what's right or not it was just a question of what's the right thing to do and there was so much peace in my heart. I wish I could say from that day till now, I've always lived that way. But that is where I always desire to go back to. And definitely, uh, that is, I know that, that by right, I belong to the Lord. And it was at that time then that the Lord began to also stir my heart for missions. And so when I was, the following year, I publicly surrendered our missions conference for missions. But really before that, I had realized that that was the way the Lord was leading me. And uh, 
So when I was 14, I, I knew the Lord wanted me to be in missions. Growing up, I, I finished high school. I began a, a, to study in a small Bible institute. And I really was, I was serving the Lord in my home church, but I really wasn't making much progress uh, towards getting to the mission field. And then, and I had taken a few missions trips, uh, but then I ended up taking one to Indonesia. And the way the Lord led in that was, it's just amazing the way the Lord led. I, I really wasn't interested in just going on another missions trip, uh, but it seemed to me like I asked them, it seemed like they had need of someone else. Uh, it turns out they really definitely could have done without me, but the Lord used that in my life to show me how much the, how, how, ripe, how ready the harvest was there in Indonesia, and yet I wasn't ready to go. I needed to finish up schooling, and the harvest is ready. And as they said there uh, on that trip, they said, the har- it's not up to the reapers to determine when the harvest is going to be reaped. It's when the harvest is ready, that's when it has to be reaped. And so uh, that, that really, the Lord stirred me with that, and I came back and became serious about finishing up Bible Institute. And then as I neared the end of Bible Institute, I realized uh, the missionary there had recommended that I, I get a master's degree. And that was when I came and visited here and believed the Lord was leading me here. And so I'm so thankful for Him leading me here. As I came as a seminary student, not having been an undergrad here, and, and really in so many ways my, uh, my background was, was different as far as uh, I wasn't like my brother. I wasn't very... I wasn't very good about knowing the, the uh, I guess, having the right regard for my appearance and things like that. Um, my brother's a lot, he's always been a lot better about that than me. And so there were just so many things I had to learn. And coming as a seminary student, I was a seminary student that was a lot more like a freshman. I remember uh, one time when the library was back in fel- the fellowship hall on that side over there. And I didn't realize that there was a certain hour when, on Saturday evenings when it was for, only for the girls. And so I was in there studying. I had been in there for probably an hour studying. There were a couple other guys in there. And then I noticed they left. And then little by little, there were a bunch of girls coming in. And I noticed it, but I just thought, wow, only the girls are studious here, I guess. <laughs> and, so, and then I heard some, a couple guys whispering behind me in the hallway out, outside. And then David Ola came in, and, and uh, he told me about that. I was very grateful. <laughs> so... Then even, even several years later, when it came time for me to graduate, uh, my wife-to-be had, uh, of course, now my wife, she had come. We were just at the beginning of our courtship. Uh, she and her brother had come up for the graduation, and somehow I was not very good about, about being aware of, of, and they were just, the, the staff was so gracious to me so many times. I'm sure I don't even know many of the times when they overlooked things that I was completely unaware of, but I showed up at the graduation rehearsal, and somehow I totally missed the way I was supposed to be dressed. And I showed up with blue jeans and a polo. Everybody else, as you know, if you've been there, is wearing a tie and, and class attire. And that was awkward, to say the least. And so I, then I saw everyone was going to have to walk up front and shake Pastor Van Gelderen's hand. And I was so dreading that. And I walked up, and he was just so gracious. He didn't say a word about it. He just smiled and asked me how things were going with, with Caitlin. And uh, I just appreciate that so much. I've never, we've never said a word about that to this day, but I just so appreciate how he. <laughs> I was so appreciative of that, and so I'm just very grateful for the, the, um, for all the grace, all the the love that they have shown. I've seen that towards, towards the students and in general, and definitely towards myself. And I'm very appreciative of that. 
And as the Lord led me to Cameroon, it was through being here. Um, my last year in seminary, I was roommates with Daniel Needham, and he was talking to me about Cameroon. Of course, many here had been there. And really, uh, I was headed towards Indonesia, but I didn't know for sure if that's where the Lord wanted me. I just felt like He wanted me to head the, uh, that direction. And um, as I... And so he began talking to me about Cameroon, and I really wasn't interested in going there as a missionary because at that time it seemed to me like there were quite a few already getting ready to go there. And so I didn't want to just jump on a bandwagon and go where everyone else was going. But he, he spoke to me about the need for training these, in these places where people had been saved, there had been churches started, but there was need for work in training those believers and uh, training up uh, pastors for those churches. And just the timing, the, the way the Lord was working in my heart, I really felt like he led, a, he led me to go and spend a year over there. Uh, and so my wife and I, we got married. We had to spend a, I had to go somewhere for seminary for one year. Um, and so we went to spend a year in Cameroon just to see if that's where the Lord would have us. And the burden that we had going over there was to bring Bible Institute training out into the villages, out to the village churches, so that those men would be able to stay in the villages where they were leading churches. Um, those churches desperately need that leadership, but yet those men could also that way be trained. And so we went over there, and for about six months we were able to do that. That It really worked very well, going and holding classes for a couple weeks at a time in different locations. And that was our desire. Of course, the conflict uh, began to intensify during the year that we were there. And so uh, during the last half of that year, we weren't able to get out and do that anymore. But God gave us ministry in different ways with, with other young men around our area and uh, at the hospital where my wife gave birth and, uh, to our daughter at that time. And um, just uh, we ended up being there for three weeks, and, and the Lord gave wonderful opportunities there. And, and He definitely knit our hearts to the believers there. And so as we came back after that year, we knew God wanted us to return to Cameroon. Uh, and as we prayed about it, we've, we've, He led us to go ahead and learn French so that we can minister in both parts of the country. So that's where we're at right now, having just finished a French class and then preparing, Lord willing, to go back to Cameroon December 26th. And uh, as we go back, we'll be starting a Bible Institute, really continuing uh, Glenn Swanson's Bible Institute that he'd had, uh, continuing that and some new students in the capital city next month. Uh, we'll begin with, with that as well as some church planting. And so uh, thank you for those of you who, who have prayed for us. I know many of you have, and we really appreciate that. Uh, tonight, or sorry, uh, this morning, I would like to, I'd like to talk with you about, uh, to speak with you from God's Word just about being a soldier of Jesus Christ. And that's about the battle that we have uh, right now as believers. And so let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6. And this is a, a passage that the Lord has been speaking to my heart about a lot during these last few months. I'll go ahead and start in verse 10 and read through verse 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you, Father, for these who you have brought here today. Father, I thank you for all these young people and their desire to serve you. Father, thank you for the privilege to speak to them today from your word. And I pray, Father, I I look to you today for your grace that I might speak as your oracles, that I might speak that which you would have me to say. Father, I pray for you to use it in the life of each one here, according as you know the need to be. Father, I pray that you'd speak to my own heart through your word today. I pray, Father, that, uh, that, you, that Jesus Christ would be glorified during our time together. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that probably all of us can see in these days how much how much of a spiritual attack there is. Uh, Not just in the things that are going on politically, but of course, so many different factors this year have have caused many to struggle. Uh, I know just in my own circle of different ones, I know there's been a lot of of spiritual struggle and some spiritual defeats this year. And so it's so important for us to recognize the fact of the battle that we are in. And so as we look at this passage... There are, three, there are three commands that I see here. Uh, one of them is repeated twice. First of all, in verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so we see the commands to be strengthened in the Lord and the power of His might. To be strong not in our own determination, our own character. Uh, this demands that complete dependence upon the Lord. And one of the things that will really kill us as a, as a soldier of Jesus Christ is if we're, if, of course, if we're going in our own strength and if we, if we allow pride to come in. And, and as we set out to serve the Lord, that's something that I was burdened to just speak about this morning uh, in this passage is that need for, especially in these days, that we let the Lord reveal that in those, those motivations of pride perhaps in our hearts. I want to turn for just a moment to Jeremiah 45. Jeremiah chapter 45, Jeremiah is speaking there to a a man named Baruch, who was the scribe for Jeremiah, and he says in Jeremiah 45 and verse 4, thus shalt thou say unto him, the Lord saith thus. Behold, that which I have built, I will, will I break down. And that which I have planted, I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. Now I don't know exactly what great things Baruch was seeking for himself, but God says to Baruch that there's an evil day that's coming upon his land and that he, 
as God is going to be breaking things down, tearing up that which He's planted, it wasn't a time for Baruch to be seeking his own glory. And for us as believers, I, thought, I think that one of the things that most causes a soldier of Jesus Christ to fail to be the soldier we, that we ought to be is when we have too high of an opinion of ourselves. Because a soldier who thinks greatly of their own ability in the battle, of their own importance, how willing are they going to be to be sent out, first of all, on a, on a, are they going to be willing to be sent out on a small mission? Uh, what, if, what if their commander sends them on something that they feel is not very important? Sends them to go fulfill a task that they feel is not very important? A soldier who thinks highly of themselves is not really going to uh, take that, that command seriously. They're not going to be willing to go and, and do that kind of thing. But yet, at the same time, they're also not going to be willing to put themselves at risk. Because, again, to them, their life is too valuable. I think about what the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, where he said, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so, when we think highly of ourselves, we're not going to want to put ourselves in a place where we think how much the cause of Christ would suffer if we should be lost. But a day is coming in which I think we are going to have to be ready to put even our lives on the line. Uh, and in many places around the world, that is already true. When you, I think about the missionary to Cameroon that all of you have, have heard about the life of Charles Wesco and how he uh, died over there the year that we were there. But yet when you look at him, there, he had a lot of abilities. He had a lot of talents. He had a lot of potential for God to use him over there. And I don't believe that he went over there recklessly, uh, mindless of the dangers, but he didn't count his life dear unto himself. He, was, he realized the fact that ain't none of us, there's none of us that are not expendable. Uh, there's no, God, God's work will continue to go on with or without us, and God is free to, to send us on whatever mission He chooses. He's free to use us as long as He wants to, and then He can raise up others behind us. And so, But what I've seen many times is that I've seen those who are all ready and gung-ho to go and to serve the Lord on the mission field, and then something happens and they never make it there. And I, I wonder sometimes if the cause cannot be that our life is too dear to ourselves, that we're not willing to take the risks, that we're not willing to suffer the, the hardships, uh, to endure the hardnesses as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I think even again about the small task the Lord sends us to, there are so many needs in our own country and in places around the world for those who will go and who will labor in obscure places, in, in, in places where it may seem like there's no potential there for greatness. There's no potential for advancement. There are so many small churches that I know of right here in our own country, uh, maybe in small towns, that they struggle to find pastors. Many, many of them do not have pastors. And as men find out about those churches and they they. They are interested, but when they find out where that church is, they're no longer interested in going there because they don't see the potential for advancement. And so, what if though, if the Lord, if that is the place the Lord sends you? Uh, I think about the, the church that my wife grew up in. And the man who went there, humanly speaking, I've never known a man with more, who is more charismatic, uh, a better preacher. And, and yet he went to this small town of 500 people. And for years, people would say, well, he, he should be in a, in a big city. He should be somewhere else. He, he stayed there for about, I think, about 15 years. 
And my wife and her family are saved because of that. And I'm grateful for that. And it may have been... Um, and so, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, we are to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're to depend upon Him. And we, can't, we must not allow ourselves to be, to view, to be strong in our, own, uh, in our own determination, to view ourselves too highly, And then let's go on to to verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So here we see the second command, to put on the whole armor of God. Now this word, whole armor, it's one word in the Greek language. It's the word panoplion, from which we get our English word panoply. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the word panoply. Uh, how many of you have heard that word panoply before? Okay, most of you have, alright. Uh, it's in one of the songs that we sing. And if you don't know what it means, it, it just means the whole armor. Maybe you already knew that. And so as we look at the armor of God here, it's something that really, it all comes together. It's not, when you look at the different pieces, I don't think we really can just put on one piece and not another. We can't really uh, be partially clothed with it. it. It all comes together. And so he says, we are to put on the whole armor of God. Now, if you're, I, you are familiar, I'm sure, with the book of Ephesians and the, the layout of it, and how at first it deals with our position in Christ. In the first three chapters, it talks about who we are in Christ. As some have described that as the, the part that talks about us sitting uh, with Christ. And then we see our walk. And then now we move on to our stand. And so, in this passage, we're seeing some... Previously, Paul has given us our position in Christ. But now here we're looking practically at our need to put on this armor. And this is something that we need to do daily so that we're able to stand against the, against the devil's wiles. And as I look in our day, I think that the, I see three areas of attack where Satan has been very successful and where he's really focusing his attention in our day. And the first one that has been for, for some time is just the temptation of the allure of the world. And that's something that we know that as, as believers in our country, uh, we've really not done very well with that. We have far too much viewed the world as our friend, uh, viewed the world as something, something harmless, uh, something that we can enjoy. Even to, Of course, God gives us enjoyments in this world, but even to the point of, of enjoying so many things that we as Christians really should not have. And because of that, because of Satan causing us to, uh, to hurt our consciences in those ways, because of him causing us to, uh, to yield to him in that, now as he's bringing a couple of other areas of attack, if, we are not sta- if we're not standing when those temptations come personally, how are we going to stand in the, in the other temptations that he's bringing? And another area of attack that we see coming now, of course, is the area of persecution, very probably here in our country and in many places around the world, that's increasing. Uh, we see that so many already are yielding. So many are, are succumbing when it comes to homosexuality. There are so many who are now finding, supposedly, that the, the Bible doesn't oppose that, uh, which is different, of course, from what Christians have seen in God's Word for all the centuries up till now. But so many are capitulating. 
And why are they capitulating there? Because they don't have the strength to stand because they've not stood. Because they've not stood before the allure of the world, how can they stand at the threat of their lives, at the threat of their ministries, at the threat of their comfort? And then also there's the attack on our faith. And also at the same time, there's so many ways in which Satan tries to undermine our faith. Uh, There are many also who, who are defecting from the faith. And again, we know that the Bible says that uh, when we allow, when we cast away a good conscience, many will make shipwreck of their faith. And so Satan is attacking all those ways. And so how is it that we can be prepared to stand? And that's why we see the importance of taking unto us the whole armor of God. Verse 13, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Without a doubt, we are in an evil day. And yet it's encouraging to realize that God has put us here at this day. That God has chosen to put us here at this time in history. And He, he will give us the grace to stand. And, but in order to do that, we must take the, the armor of God. And so it's so important for us every day to recognize this. So many days, and as, as soon you'll be going on Christmas break, and I'm sure that you've, that you've been hearing about this, but it's so important for us that every day we recognize the fact that every day is a spiritual battle. There doesn't come a time, you know, a, I imagine a soldier in Iraq and Afghanistan in some place like that, I imagine there's never a day where they just feel like they can just be completely at rest. Because they recognize any day the enemy may come and attack. Maybe at the time that they're least expecting it, the enemy can come and launch an attack on their base. And so they're always on guard. They're, they're always alert. And a soldier in a, in a battle back in these days, they would always have to have sentries around the camp that would be guarding because they always had to be on the alert. And for us too, we always, we have to, there are some times where we enter a day and we think, oh, today is just, today is going to be a, an easy day. I, I'm not really going to, it's not really all that important, my time with the Lord today. Maybe we think that the things we have this day in front of us are things we can really handle and we don't recognize the fact that we have an enemy who is out to, who's, who is out to deceive us, who's out to attack us, and, and out to devour us. And so, it's so important that every morning that we take that time to put on the whole armor of God. Something that Hudson Taylor said has really entered into my heart, and he, he made this statement, don't have your concert first and tune the instruments afterwards. Begin your day with God. All of you who know music, I'm sure that that would be, uh, you can very much imagine what that would be like to tune your instruments after the concert. But that's what we do when we go through our day without having spent that time with God. We're really going through, we're not in tune with God, we're, we're just winging it, uh, we're just going in our own strength, and then maybe if we, we can spend time with God later, but the, the concert is past. And so it's so important, the battle, the battle is past, we've already been susceptible to the enemy's attacks. And so it's important for us to take that time every day. Really, it's vital, it's crucial that we learn to do that, to spend that time with the Lord. And so then we come to verse 14, and this is the third command, stand therefore. And he goes through the different parts of the armor. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. And of course, in those days, they would wear long robes. And so having your loins girt about with truth, as you can imagine as you're going out to battle, if you're wearing a long robe, uh, it, can, it would trip them up. 
And so they had to pull up the ends of the robe, fasten it into their belt. And here he, he likens that belt to truth. Because truth, uh, as Jesus said, the truth will set you free. It's that the falsehood, when we have false concepts, false ideas, when, when we're believing different lies of Satan, what that does is it trips us up as we're going into the battle. What are some of those lies that Satan gives us? Well, we know uh, one of those is, is discouragement, as he tries to discourage us about ourselves, to cause us to feel that, uh, that it's just hopeless, that we're, not able to, that we're not able to be successful in serving the Lord, uh, that, we're not, that perhaps others can walk with God, but that we can't, and that's one of the lies that he'll use. And yet we know that the truth with which we are to be girded about is, I can do all things through the one who strengthens me through Christ, uh, that truth that I am crucified with Christ and He does live in me. Uh, another lie He may give us is the lie that no one is willing to listen to the truth. Um, there's false doctrine. Uh, it's so important that, that we know the, the truths of the Word of God. False doctrines about losing your salvation or uh, about Calvinism, different things like that. Those are some of those different lies that will trip us up as we're out fighting against Satan. And so we have to spend that time in the Word of God to fill our minds with its truth so that we're able to have our loins girt about with the truth of the Word of God. And then we see having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now this, there is a question with this sometimes. Does this refer to the righteousness that is imputed to us, our positional righteousness in Christ, or is this practical righteousness? And I believe that it has to be practical righteousness because we do not put on that imputed righteousness. God has put that upon us. As Christians, it's not something we have to put on every day. That's always upon us. In the eyes of God, we are righteous. But having on the breastplate of righteousness refers to that that practical righteousness. It says in Proverbs, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so we're to guard our hearts by walking in obedience to the Lord. We are to to protect that vital uh, organ. Um, it says in the book of, of Hosea, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. And so those are some things that, that take away our heart from God. First of all, it talks there about whoredom. And definitely in our day, and I know you've heard about that this semester, um, sins of the flesh, that fornication, that uh, those types of things, really just watching, uh, oftentimes watching media that, that it uh, caused us to fall in our hearts. Those are things that we, maybe even we're not going so far as many others, but we don't realize how much that draws away our heart from the Lord. Uh, then it said, speaks of wine. Of course, we know uh, drunkenness is not something probably anyone here has a problem with, uh, but those things that cause us not to be sober, then it even says new wine. New wine was not alcoholic wine. So why would that be something to draw the way of the heart? I believe that just represents the enjoyments of this life as we as we allow ourselves just to indulge too much in the enjoyments of this life, uh, just having a good time, just playing games, and uh, even, even things sometimes like, like the, the sweets that we eat, and things like that that we allow to gain a place in our heart, that draw away our heart from the Lord. And so having on the breastplate of righteousness means that we're guarding our hearts. We're walking in obedience to the Lord. And then your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I believe that this refers to our readiness to give the gospel. It, said, it speaks in Romans, uh, really quoting Isaiah, about how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, that bring glad tidings of good things. And for a soldier, of course, to not have shoes on his feet, 
that would make it very hard for him to, to the, the ground could very well have rocks or, or thorns or different things that would puncture his feet, uh, that would keep him from being able to uh, be effective in battle. And so for us, we need to have our feet shod, meaning that we need to enter into our day ready for those opportunities that the Lord gives us as we go and we proclaim that good news of peace. And then we see, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And so he says the most important part is faith. And any of, those, any of the attacks that Satan will launch against us, that is how we will be able to, to conquer them. It's, th- it's through the shield of faith. As we believe God's Word, as, we, as, we, as Satan launches doubts at us, as he launches these fears, it's through the shield of faith. And then he says, and take the helmet of salvation. And again, we know that we are already saved, so what does it mean to take the helmet of salvation? It's to have that consciousness of our salvation. It's to be aware of the fact that to, to be aware of, of our position in Christ, uh, to guard our minds, to protect our thinking by an awareness of the fact that we've put off the old man, we've put on the new man, uh, an awareness of the fact that of what Christ has for us, eternal, of that eternal life He's given to us. And so that is to take the helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And of course, Jesus is the best example of how, of how we use that against Satan. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. As we look at this verse and we maybe wonder how does this fit with the whole context of the spiritual warfare and with the the battle. And what I believe is that the idea here as we are to watch unto prayer uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints is the idea that we're sentries. That we are those that we're standing on guard. We're, We're to be looking out for one another. We're to be noticing when Someone seems to be slipping spiritually. We're to be noticing uh, when someone maybe they're not being faithful like they once were. There just seems to not be something quite right. We're to notice for the purpose of prayer, for, for going and bringing that with all perseverance and supplication to God, bring, bringing those things to God and, and uh, really seeing victory in the lives of one another, seeing Satan turned back in his attacks upon, upon our fellow soldiers. And so... As we look at these things, I think today about the way our country is right now. And we've been hearing pastor talking about how really it's the fault of the church. And as I look at my own life, I've just been convicted about how many days I have not been in the spiritual battle. How many times I've not had my feet shot. I've not been ready when God gave me an opportunity, but yet I've not been ready to speak. Maybe my heart hasn't been right with God. Uh, I've not had that confidence of God's presence. Uh, I've just not had that mindset. And I wonder, just looking back at my own life, I wonder how much of a difference I could have made in the lives of different people along the way if I had been aware of the fact that I'm not, this isn't a playground, this is a battleground. If I'd been aware of the, of, of the fact that I needed to be ready. And so I want to challenge you today that what could... In these days, it's so important that every day we take the time to prepare ourselves. And God can really use you in these days as you are, as, as, as the world just becomes darker, but as we walk with God. There's a verse that in Daniel where it says, it's speaking, I believe, of, of the time of the tribulation, but it says, and they that know their God 
shall be strong and do exploits. And that's a verse, again, that has really encouraged me recently. Just to see those are days when it will be so dark. In fact, in the context there, it's talking about the fact that the Antichrist will be given power to war against the saints and to overcome them. Uh, He'll be given power to, uh, they'll seem like they're defeated in those days. But even in the midst of all that, those that know their God, they'll be strong and they'll do. Uh, God will give them, He'll give them miraculous deliverances. He'll give them power that, uh, against their enemy. That uh, I think we're going to see so many more miracles in the days ahead. If, we're, if we know our God and we continue to serve Him, we're going to see so many more miracles of God delivering, of God giving the power to overcome the things that Satan is trying to do. And so I want to just challenge you this morning in that way to be aware of the battle, to take time every day to seek the Lord, Know your God and trust Him to enable you to be strong and do exploits in these days. And so let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father in Heaven, Father, I thank You today that You've chosen us, that Jesus Christ has chosen us to be His soldiers. Father, what a privilege we have. Father, I think there's probably not one of us in here that doesn't feel ourselves to be unworthy soldiers. Lord, I know that's true of myself. But Father, I thank You so much for the grace that You've given to us. As You say to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Thank You for Your grace. Father, thank You that... Thank You for the spiritual armor that You have provided for us. And thank You, Father, that as powerful as the enemy is, that You are more powerful, that Jesus Christ has overcome Him, and that we can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Father, I pray for these young people that You would just stir them up. Lord, in these days ahead, I pray that every one of them might withstand in the evil day and having done all. Father, at the end of their life, at the end of the battle that You've given them to fight, I pray that having done all, they would still be standing. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.